Magazine with Val. Uh, be coming up. We'll be playing uh, an episode from last week. miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Have you heard? of subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control, graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions, go www.subliminalsf.com for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen, graphic design for every need, and live music promotion. At some of the best bars in San Francisco, that's Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control. Go to SubliminalSF.com now. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. 
Choke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year? If all Americans switched to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. It is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. 
For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Hello, and we are your friends here at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. I'm Global Val. Thanks for tuning in to Women's Magazine. Happy Friday, everybody. It is February 12th, halfway through the short month, a little bit longer this year, leap year. And, you know, when I think about the calendar and uh, the way that it's organized, it's, it's, it's really a pretty bogus uh, situation. You know, uh, I've been using a, a lunar calendar in addition to, you know, our normal everyday calendar that that we you know schedule all our modern lives on um but i've been using a lunar calendar since i was about mm, maybe like 14 or 15 years old uh it's called the luna press and it's it's printed and and produced right here in the good old us of a um in the east on the east coast i forget exactly where so i don't want to misrepresent the the origin of it but you should really check it out they've got great art and poetry in there and a very accurate lunar calendar and you know when you see all the different phases and uh, it's it's just so much more natural and as a woman it's much more it's much easier and uh, to keep track of your your cycles and your and the things that happen to you in your everyday life for me it's not you know the the, the lunar calendar for me is a way to kind of keep track of things that have happened and I, I don't really write anything on it um, ahead of time I write something on it when something's cool maybe there's a special event or um, a special night or something really cool happens and uh, you write it down and then you can kind of go back and it's it's like a log um, so yeah I highly recommend it if you if you don't have a lunar calendar you should definitely get one um, and uh, and and keep it close <laughs> You can still schedule your other regular, normal, modern, modern life stuff on a, on a regular, what is it, a Gregorian calendar. Um, but, uh, and those are things where you can plan ahead. But I think a lunar calendar is a good way to just keep track of things that are happening. Um, that's my little PSA here. Thanks for tuning in to Women's Magazine today. I'm going to play you a little music from our friend Ryan Casada. Um, I love Ryan Casada. What, what a rock star. Um, spokesperson. And uh, he's coming out with a new album called Shine. And uh, this is off a previous album of his called The Rhythm. And I like this song, number one, Love Around the World. Let's do it, folks.
Yeah, Ryan Casada. Thanks for spreading love around the world. I'm Global Val, and I like to spread the love, too. You're listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val on MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks so much for tuning in. And, of course, I hope that you're listening to our sisters in the East Bay on KPFA 94.1. That's the original Women's Magazine. They're on the air, uh, 94.1 and KPFA.org, every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m., and I am an outpost. Um, I hope to be putting together and doing some more editing from some of these shows I've been doing here at Mutiny uh, to send off to KPFA. Um, But they've got a great team of uh, people working together on that show, various topics, um, and uh, doing it for for the love and to spread it around the world because we have quite a bit that we're up against here. Um, So the United Nations has registered almost 4.6 million refugees from Syria since the fighting broke out in the country several years ago, about four years ago. Of those 4.6 million refugees from Syria, almost 2.4 million are 17 and under. A huge amount of children, minors, young people, displaced, having fled fled their country um, with or without their families, uh, whatever their individual situations may be, a huge, huge problem um, that that we we as a as a global community really need to be addressing, um, you know, and 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 not forget about. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of people are out there working, uh, helping these these folks, um, not just from Syria but from other war torn countries like Afghanistan. Um, and, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really, it's really heart wrenching and, you know, it, it kind of, it's, it's a scary thing because last week on women's magazine, I interviewed the executive director of the Bay area anti-trafficking coalition, um, Betty Ann Bovine. And, um, the, you know, when you have, uh, all, all of these young people, you know, children of all ages, um, 2.4 million, 2.4 million children, refugees. Um, it really, it really is scary. What's going to happen to all these kids? So I wanted to bring you kind of a hopeful story, a positive story, um, from buzzfeed.com as written by David Mack. And so the international rescue committee recently sent a photographer, Meredith Hutchinson, to meet with young girls in two refugee camps in Jordan to ask them about their hopes and dreams. The project is called Vision Not Victim. I like that, right? So often, you know, it's like, oh, victims, victims, right? And and of course, we don't want people to get hurt, but let's rise above it, right? Let's go beyond that. Um, Vision 
not victim as uh, the project and so they saw the girls draw pictures of what they want to be when they grow up um, and uh, to imagine now they've escaped war they've grown up what are you this is what they've asked these girls in um, these refugee two refugee camps in Jordan so each girl then participated in a photo shoot based on the drawings to pose as their grown-up selves so they were given copies of the photos to show their families and keep as a reminder of their goals. Um, so you should really check out some of these pictures. Um, check out BuzzFeed.com. And the title of the article is uh, Refugee Girls Got to Dress Up as What They Want to Be When They Grow Up. And this is just from uh, February 2nd. So uh, th the picture, we've got Fatima who's 12 years old, future teacher. And there she is posing in a classroom. She's got a, a blazer, like a dark blue blazer on. Uh, she's leaning forward onto a desk, kind of her hands spread. She's looking straight up. She's got a chalkboard behind her. Uh, there's different desks. It's kind of a, kind of a, a dusty light in there. And she's standing there looking directly at the camera. And so this, the, I'm going to read you some of the quotes uh, that the, the translated quotes that the girls wrote. Um, remember, these are notes from the, their future selves after they've grown up and after this huge crisis. So Fatima, age 12, future teacher, says, in this image, it is early morning, and I'm waiting in my classroom for my students to arrive. I teach younger children to read and write Arabic. I'm, very, I'm a very compassionate and kind person, and so a perfect teacher. I am strict, but I go out of my way to gently help those students who are having difficulties. Malak, age 16, future police officer. Remember, these are all girls. And, she, and Malak says, I've always wanted to be a policewoman because the police not only keep people safe, but they also create justice in society. Every day I wake up, go to the station, and then head out into the city to see where I can help. I also work to inspire other young girls to become policewomen, supporting them to dream about their future and thinking about how they will overcome obstacles. Fatima, 11, future surgeon, says, in this image, and, and she's, she's looking at an x-ray, um, they dressed all the girls up in, in the kind of like a costume photo shoot of these of these uh, what they imagined their future selves their future careers to be so Fatima the future surgeon says in this image I am examining an x-ray of a patient to see what is causing the pain in her chest at this point in my life I am a well-respected surgeon in the region I treat many patients but the patient I care mo most about the one that drove me to be a doctor is my father who has a lot of medical issues to be able to help my father, this makes me feel strong, powerful, and capable. The next girl, again, Syri Syrian refugee, um, imagining fu their future selves. Uh, Muntaha, 12, future photographer. And she's fabulous. They've got her in this kind of a blousey denim shirt and a big scarf around. She's holding a gigantic camera. She's got her hand on her hip. The other camera's down, uh, you know, hanging down her you know her pant leg. Um, she's she's looking like she's in you know an active stance, ready to uh, you know ready for uh, whatever kind of photography she might have to do that day. Um, these pictures are really great um, by Meredith Hutchison, and she says, "Since I was a young girl, I loved taking people's photographs. I loved going to different events and documenting what was happening, both the good and the bad. 
Now, as a professional photographer, I use my images to inspire hope in others, to encourage love and understanding. Rama, age 13, future doctor. She's standing there in, on a, you know, in the refugee camp. She's standing there in scrubs and uh, a medical coat and a stethoscope. She's got a big smile on her face, her arms crossed. Um, and she says, walking down the street as a young girl in Syria or Jordan, I encountered many people suffering, sick or injured, and I always wanted to have the power and skills to help them. Now, as a great physician in my community, I have that ability. Easing someone's pain is the most rewarding aspect of my job. To be able to give them relief and make them smile, that is what I love most. Fatima, age 16, future architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. Yet, when I was young, people told me this is not something a woman could achieve, and they encouraged me to pursue a more feminine profession. But I dreamt constantly of making beautiful homes for families and designing buildings that bring people joy. Now that I've reached my vision, I hope I'm a model for other girls, showing them that you should never give up on your dream, no matter what others say. Merwa, age 13, future painter. So cute, standing here uh, with her paintbrushes and her easel. Um, in this image, I'm a popular painter, working on landscape and oils. When I was younger, painting was a hobby, but as I grew older, I, sa I saw I had a great talent and went to art school. Now I have my own ga gallery where I sell my paintings and sculptures. My hope is that my artwork inspires peace in the world and encourages people to be kind to one another. These are the voices of girls who've fled their homes in Syria. Young girls. Haja, age 12, future astronaut. Looking ready in an astronaut costume. Great pictures, Meredith. Ever since we studied the solar system in primary school, I've wanted to be an astronaut. I would imagine myself up in the sky discovering new things. Maybe like those uh, gravitational waves that uh, Roman was talking about on the weekly review right before this show. I love being an astronaut because it lets me see the world from a new angle. In this society, my path was not easy. Many people told me a girl can't become an astronaut. Now that I have achieved my goals, I would tell young girls with aspirations to not be afraid, to talk to their parents about what they want and why, to always be confident and know where you want to go. Fatima, age 11, another future police officer. I found kind of interesting. There were a few police, uh, future police officers. She says, I am kind. I am a kind yet serious policewoman who's respected and a role model in the community. People are not afraid of me, but call me when they're in trouble. I teach them how to respect and love one another. I fight for justice. I help the innocent. What an amazing ideal for a police officer. If we could only follow uh, young Fatima's uh, image of what, what police officers are supposed to be like. I, I like her version. I think we could get back to that or get there maybe for the first time. Basima, age 17, future chef. She's here standing behind a kind of a deli counter. Big smile, apron. I've always found great pleasure in cooking. When I was young, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mother, learning how to create different dishes. I was really good at it. 
Now, as a chef, I have my own restaurant where I create the menu and a shop where I make and serve different dairy products like milk, cheeses, and yogurt. This next one I think is my favorite. Noor, age 16, future lawyer. She's standing there in the kind of a graduate's uh, gown. She says, I want violence against women to end. I want women to be able to make decisions for the community and say their opinion without fear. I want our society to open up and give space for women to be whoever they want to be. This is why I decided to become a lawyer. When I was younger, my mother told me I was a was courageous and truthful and that I could be a great lawyer who fought injustice. I took her advice and now I am a respected lawyer working on women's rights and defending women who are victims of domestic violence. Go Noor. Amani, age 10, future pilot. I love planes. Even before I had ever been on a plane, I knew I wanted to be a pilot. Flying is adventurous and exciting. When I was younger, my brother always told me that a girl can't be a pilot, but I knew deep down this is what I wanted to do. I finished my studies and found a way to get to flight school. Now, not only do I get to live my dream, but I also get to help people travel to see the world and discover new places. One more here. Hiba, age nine, future pediatrician. And she says, though her future self says, I've always wanted to help children. And this is what drove me to be a pediatrician. I am kind and loving and therefore an excellent doctor that children can trust. Nezreen, age 11, another future police officer. Uh, here she is uh, in the refugee camp. Looks like she's got a whistle and is uh, stopping traffic. And she's, her future self says, I saw a policewoman for the first time when I was 11. Before that, I hadn't considered it as a career. At that moment in my life, I wasn't even going to school. I had just, just had no interest. But once I decided this was my dream, I studied hard and pursued it. Now that I'm a policewoman, I help many people who are in danger or trouble and encourage young girls to get their education so they can reach their goals.
Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in to Women's Magazine. You are listening, this is Global Val here at MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks for listening. Uh, earlier, you were listening to a podcast from a couple weeks ago, um, and the, but today is February 26th, so I've made it into the studio here today, um, which is really good because it's the last Friday in February before March. And of course, March is Women's Month, Women's History Month. International Women's Day is March 8th. And uh, hoping to do a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of shows every Friday in March. Um, and um, my first show that I've got booked is Friday, March 11th. I'm going to be having three women who are running for supervisor here in San Francisco. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Hillary Ronan, who is running for District 9, I believe. Um, I'm going to have uh, Kimberly Alvarenga. Uh, she's running to uh, fill the seat that John Avalos is is uh, leaving after he's termed out. Um, and also Sandra Fewer. Um, so on March 11th for two o'clock, tune into women's magazine here on mutinyradio.fm. Hey, there's all sorts of shit going on here. Happy fucking Friday, everybody. It's, uh, it's live radio. That's okay. I don't mind. Um, but anyhow, so come on and, and, and tune in as we talk to these three women uh, who are going to be running for, who are running for supervisor of San Francisco in their respective districts. All of them are mothers. Um, so it would be interesting to see uh, their perspectives, uh, their uh, experiences and what they're planning to do and, and what they're, what's driving them to run for supervisor um, in our fine city. So, of course, staying on top of the politics of, of San Francisco. Sandra's running a district one because uh, uh, Eric Mara is being termed out as well. So that's the three mothers, just to let you know. Sandra's in district one. Right. So, uh, that, so that's my first show I've got booked for March. So if you have any ideas that you'd like to submit, or if you have some questions for these three supervisors, go to Facebook, find Women's Magazine with Global Val, and send me a message. I'd uh, be happy to figure out uh, a way to incorporate your question into into our conversation, and uh, you know, get get out the word. That's what we're out here all here about. A little bit of the music you heard uh, in the interim was from the Terry Disley Trio, um, and uh, they're a really cool little little jazzy trio um, that plays at the Burrett Room in San Francisco uh, quite regularly. And I'm going to play a little more music for you. I'll be right back because as we're looking ahead to Women's History Month, I'm going to talk to you about some interesting women who changed history. So stay tuned. I picked up a book the other day at, a, at the Friends of the Berkeley Public Library store, and it's called Women Who Changed History. 
Extraordinary Women. This is edited by Catherine M. Edmondson. And she writes it. Uh, it's it's a, about 380 pages, and each page, almost like a daily calendar, uh, has a little history synopsis of an interesting woman in American history. So I'm going to be reading a little bit from this book uh, throughout the month of March as we celebrate women and women's history. So here's the first one. Gertrude Franklin Horn Atherton, American writer, 1857 to 1948. American critics lambasted Atherton's works for their, quote, immorality. Her heroines defied convention, spoke their minds forcefully, and exhibited unheard of sexual independence. After her husband died from a morphine overdose, Atherton fled to New York City to write. She never remarried, but pursued a series of affairs. The nation's reviewers were horrified. Undaunted, she continued to write searing novels about American society. Her career ran for six decades. She completed 56 books and pioneered the fictionalized biography. In her 70s, she settled in San Francisco, where she ran a literary salon. Her last published piece was a letter nominating Eleanor Roosevelt for president. Armstrong, American politician, born 1927. Armstrong is best remembered for a string of significant firsts. She was the first female co-chair of the Republican National Committee. Armstrong made the dramatic move in 1974. On reviewing the published transcripts of the Watergate tapes, she resigned her post and demanded the resignation of, Pro of President Ronald, uh, sorry, Richard Nixon. She was one of the first high-level Washington Republicans to call on Nixon to step down from the presidency. Gwendolyn Brooks, born 1917, American poet. Brooks's vivid writing in, is grounded in black American life and in the constant personal and cultural pressures in African American communities. Her 1949 Annie Allen, her second collection of poems, won Brooks the 1950 Pulitzer Prize for Poetry, a first for African Americans. Brooks continued to write prolifically for adults as well as for children. Her later works include Riot, 1969, Family Pictures, 1970, and Report from Part One, an Autobiography, 1972. Ada James. Dates of life unknown. American suffragist. Working to get the people to, women to vote. The right to vote. 
Ada James was Wisconsin's most active suffragist, crisscrossing the state to win adherence to her cause. She was nearly deaf, but this did not deter her from conducting her campaigns on behalf of the extension of voting rights to women. James purchased the most sophisticated hearing aids available, turned them on during her speeches from the platform, and then disconnected them before her opponents had the chance to shout her down. <laughs> it was an extremely effective rhetorical technique, <laughs> due largely to her tireless efforts. Wisconsin became the first state to ratify the 19th Amendment, which in 1920 gave women the right to vote nationwide. Shirley Hardy Jackson, 1916 to 1965, American writer. Born in San Francisco, Jackson met Stanley Hyman, whom she married, at Syracuse University. They moved to New York City to launch their literary careers and a family. In 1948, The New Yorker published Jackson's most famous short story, The Lottery. Oh God, did you guys ever read The Lottery? That is a wild story about uh, like the gang mentality of a small town where they draw lots to, for population control to see who's going to get stoned to death. It's a really disturbing little short story. I don't know why I was asked to read it two or three times while I was in school. So Shirley Hardy Jackson wrote The Lottery. Uh, she also wrote semi-fictional memoirs of her experiences raising her children. Life Among the Savages, and Raising Demons. She wrote several novels, including We Have Always Lived in the, in the Castle. She received the Edgar Allan Poe Award in 1961, but died suddenly of a heart attack at the age of 48. Luella Parsons, 1881 to 1972, American journalist. Luella Parsons was, during her heyday, the most influential woman in the movie industry. Powerful studio heads regarded her with awe, as her column could boost or sink the popularity and career of any star. In the 30s and 40s, no star could be expected to survive long without her endorsement. Parsons hosted radio programs and appeared in a movie herself. In the late 1950s, her influence waned as the studio system declined in the face of its first serious competition, television. However, Parsons continued to write columns until 1964. She died of a stroke in California after a long illness.
Smith Peck, 1850 to 1935, American mountain climber. Peck, the first woman to reach the summit of the Matterhorn and the first mountaineer to reach the top of Mount Huascaran in Peru, received almost as much press for her clothing as for her daring do. Previous female climbers had always worn floor-length skirts. Peck, who realized the ridiculousness of attempting to scale a mountain while one's clothing restricted the freedom of one's legs, would have none of it. She wore knickerbockers instead. She received waves of derisive press, but her achievements spoke louder than the sexist headlines. Peck made major climbs well into her 60s. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, and uh, thanks for joining me on this uh, abbreviated uh, show as I read from Extraordinary Women, a book edited by Catherine M. Edmondson. I'm going to continue to read from this book as the month of March marches on, Women's History Month, International Women's Day. And uh, if you're looking for something to do next Friday night, March 4th, you should come out to North Beach and go to the Beat Museum. It's at 540 Broadway. Every, every first Friday, there's a showcase of poetry and writers. And this week, or next week rather, uh, the first Friday in March is being curated by a local poet, Justice Morgan, a seventh generation San Franciscan. She also goes by the name Justice Sweet. And she's put together a fantastic uh, showcase, one I'm uh, very pleased and, and touched to be a part of. Uh, it's going to be a great show. It's called On Fire, Women on a Different Beat. So hope you can come out next Friday. That's March 4th to the Beat Museum. That's at 540 Broadway. It starts at 7 o'clock. And it's going to be a great time. She's also making some beautiful broadsides through the North Beach Press uh, to, uh, to commemorate the event. Uh, so we hope you can come down and, and join us. It's going to be an, it's going to be a great night. I'm looking forward to it. I got to spend a few time a few little time in the next few days trying to figure out which pieces I'm going to be reading. So it's a mystery to me as it is to you, and I hope you come in and join in because it's going to be a great show. And of course, I'm not the only one reading. Let me tell you who these other fabulous poetesses are. Uh, we've got. Uh, Natasha Dennerstein, she's fantastic. She's all, she's a, an Aussie, um, and she's got such a fantastic tongue-in-cheek wit. So clever, so smart, Natasha Dennerstein. Um, Kim Shuck, who is a San Franciscan herself, 
um, also a Native American, um, and writes beautiful poetry. Um, Daphne Gottlieb, she's kind of famous. Uh, she's a badass femme poet. M.K. Chavez, not sure who that is, but well, there's always surprises, right? Anna Wolf, not I, I'm not familiar with Anna Wolf, but I may know her when I see her. Um, and of course, E.K. Keith, who is our, our uh, maestro mistress of ceremonies at Poems Under the Dome, which will be coming up in National Poetry Month, April 28th at City Hall. But yes, this coming Friday, March 4th, 7 p.m. at the Beat Museum. Check out Kerouac.com. It's at 540 Broadway for this uh, women's showcase of poetry. With yours truly, Valerie Ibera. Happy to be a part of it. wrap up the show I'd like to read a poem I think it's topical I hope you enjoy it it's called elections in America elections in America High standards and low expectations. Or is it the other way around? We've gone so far down this schizophrenic path of hope and distrust, hand over heart and fingers crossed. It reads like a bad relationship, a series of deceptive conclusions, a real page turner of confusion, grooming itself over and over, highlighting new angles and quietly experimenting with reinvention, setting the wheels in motion to hit the tracks for another unknown destination. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. Come on down and join us some Friday here at Mutiny Radio. We'd love to have you come down. Thanks to the Terry Disley Trio for all this great background background music I've been playing all day. Super talented. They play at the Burrett Room on Wednesdays here in San Francisco. Go enjoy it. A classy night out, folks. And don't forget to treat yourself well. And don't forget to keep your eyes open and your feet moving or your or your pen. Whatever it may be. Because remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, inspiration is contagious. Peace and thank you. See you on the 11th.
outside? No, no, it's just your EQ is all. Thank you.